Very familiar verse of scripture. Mark 16, verses 15 through 18. Would you go to the word of the Lord with me? And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But then he warns us, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. He said, in my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. And they shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. And they shall lay hands on the sick. And they might. And maybe. But they shall recover. I want to preach to you for the next few minutes. Now, I will not have a long runway tonight. I will not. Some say I may not have any runway tonight, and that's fine. But my title and what I want to speak to you for the next little while is this. A 21st century apostolic church with a 1st century apostolic power and demonstration. Are anybody, is anybody in the house glad that you're part of the apostolic church? Are you glad that you've been blood-bought, you've been sanctified, and you've been set free from this world of sin, and God has set you on a rock, and God has called you for a time such as this? Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad to be part of the apostolic church. You may be seated tonight. I want to delve right into this. Never has the church needed to be any more apostolic than it needs to be right now. Yes, some of our methods of propelling the gospel may change over time. But hear me, our message must never change. There is still one Lord, one faith one baptism. I still believe in repentance and baptism in the name of Jesus and the infilling of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. I still believe that the name of Jesus still has power to save and it still has power to heal. Neither is there salvation in any other for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. I'm glad that I'm part of the apostolic church. Come on, if you're glad about it, clap your hands and give him praise tonight. Jesus, help me. Steve McSwain, a columnist for the Huffington Post, wrote in a blog that I wanted to share with you. He wrote on May the 8th, 2015, He wrote a a blog entitled, 21st Century Church, New Absolutes the Church Must Embrace or Die. Caught my attention. Mr. Swain writes, and I quote, It would not take much to conclude the church is dying. And in its present form, I suspect that it is. 
He goes on to say, admittedly, I am not involved in the same ways as I have been in the past. Nevertheless, it is my sincere hope to, quote, be the change I'd like to see, as Gandhi used to say. And then he writes a title. He says, why no one, nobody wants to go to church anymore. He says, my own feeling is, however, the 21st century church future lies in offering absolutes to young people who do need boundaries within which to safely forge a real world of faith. Those boundaries, however, must be grown in facts, in honest inquiry, and intellectual integrity. Unfortunately, he says, the church has too often wrongly assumed that those absolutes must be. In other words, the 21st century church that keeps trying to resurrect old, worn-out ways of thinking and believing and pretend while doing so that those absolutes have never changed throughout its history has, decide, has decided already on its preferred destiny, the graveyard of history. He says, here is a sampling of some old absolutes to which dying 21st century churches and church leaders still cling today. Number one, one of the dying truths is the Bible is inherent and infallible. He said, number two, Adam and Eve were real people. The first two to walk on planet earth. Number three, creationism is a credible explanation of the origin of all things. He said, the number four thing that the dying church is still hanging on to is evolution is just a theory and therefore it is evil. Number five, theism or the belief that God is a superhuman who resides somewhere just above the cloud who favors his followers and answers their prayers. Number six, original sin is an infectious disease that automatically separates us or separates everyone from God. Substitutionary atonement, or the belief God that sent His Son, Jesus, to pay the price for our sin, is the seventh thing that He says the dying church hangs on to. Number eight, homosexuality is abhorrent to God. Even if it is genetic phenomenon, it must be rejected or held in submission. And the tenth thing, or the ninth thing rather, he says, as the only way to God, Jesus is going to return to earth one day to condemn all believers to hell. And the tenth thing that he says the 21st century church that is dying, that is hanging on to, is hell is therefore the final destiny for anyone who does not believe in Jesus. He goes on to say in his blog, there are other absolutes, but these may be among the more familiar ones. It is many of these absolutes that I see millennials rejecting outright. In other words, if you want to know why this generation has left the church, look no further. You'll find many of the reasons in this blog. Mr. McSwain goes on to refer and I do feel like I need to share these with you to those 
who still believe and teach these old beliefs as the blind leading the blind and those with narrow-minded beliefs. And then he lists ten absolutes that the 21st century church must embrace or it will die. Number one, the universal need for union with God. Number two, the innate goodness that is within all people. He says something that I, I sort of agree with, but he says we are a hospital for sinners, not a museum for saints or a hotel for paying customers. And he said one thing that we must embrace, all people were created equal, and equality for everyone is equality for, for excuse me, the equality for anyone is equality for everyone. When we say everyone is welcome, we actually mean everyone, including the LGBT folks. The Bible is our guidebook. It is not our rule book, and certainly not our science text. He said, one thing the 21st century church must embrace or die. Jesus is our way to God, but we know our God is bigger than any of our beliefs about her. He says, doubts and questions are encouraged here. In fact, we believe faith is forged through doubt. Stewardship is about money, but also justice for all people in the care of God's planet. And the tenth thing he said, heaven is not about gold streets any more than hell is about flames and torture. Mr. Swain, McSwain says, I remain hopeful and then he ends his blog by misquoting 2 Corinthians 5.17. Old things are passing away. Behold, all things are becoming new. I want to tell you tonight that in these last days, the apostolic church cannot afford to abandon what has, what has been entrusted to us. We cannot afford to change or even water down our message to appease the godless, sinful generation. Rather, we must be a holy, must be a holy boldness that comes over the 21st century apostolic church that causes us to proclaim this message more fervent than we have ever claimed it before. We cannot afford to be ashamed to tell them that you must repent and you must be baptized in Jesus. Jesus' name and receive the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Hear me tonight. This apostolic message is not outdated. It is not irrelevant to this generation. The apostolic message is exactly what this world needs to hear. Come on, somebody give him praise in the house tonight. can't water it down. We can't change it for anybody. We can't, we can't be so concerned with offending someone that we change our message. 
We can't be so concerned, Brother Newcomer, that we might offend someone that would cause us to take a back seat and not speak up when wrong is wrong. And we can't, we can't afford to not speak up to a world that is lost and dying in its sin. But we must boldly proclaim, thus saith the word of the Lord. You've got to be saved. You've got to be baptized. And you've got to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. First point I want to make tonight is in order for the 21st century apostolic church to have 1st century apostolic power in demonstration, there must be unity within the church. 1 Corinthians 1 and 10 says, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no division among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. It has always been God's plan for His church, for His people to be unified. Unity, listen to me tonight, unity positions us and it aligns us and enables us to experience the supernatural. An apostolic church that is lacking unity will lack apostolic revival. An apostolic church lacking unity will not experience apostolic power in demonstration. And an apostolic church lacking unity will be void of miracles, signs, and wonders. I don't know about you tonight, but I want to unify with my brother. If, if, if he don't see eye to eye like I see, I'm going to go ahead and say, it doesn't matter to me. I'm going to unify with you because this thing is bigger than what I think. This thing is bigger than what you think. And it's bigger than what they think outside in the world. But we must have unity to have apostolic revival. Acts 2 and 1, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were, with one, they were all with one accord and within one place. They were in one mind and they were in one place. 120, and Gentry referred to it uh, this afternoon in Lebanon. He said 120 were, ter- were gathered together, tarrying together for 10 days. They waited and they prayed for the promise to come. You see, most of us would not have tarried 10 days. And we certainly wouldn't have spent 10 days praying in unity with our brother and our sister, but we would have been checking out after 30 minutes of waiting, and we'd be wondering what was taking God so long. But they were hungry enough that they were willing to put aside any differences that they had with each other. They were willing to go ahead and and, and tarry with those that they didn't see eye to eye with. They were tarrying with those that once backbit them or once stabbed them in the back or once talked about them or once did them wrong but they were so hungry for a move of God they were so hungry for the power of God to fall that they gathered in a little bitty upper room 120 of them for 10 days and they didn't stop praying until they heard from heaven they didn't stop praying until miracle signs and wonders begin to take place they didn't stop praying until they heard that mighty sound from heaven as it began to fill that room and fill them with the Holy Ghost. 
in order for us to experience first century apostolic power and demonstration, we're going to have to learn to forgive and ask forgiveness. The task set is set before us. It's much bigger than you or I. And, and, and it's bigger, it's much bigger than the, the than what we think it might should be about. But it is not about me and it's not about you. But it's about propelling this gospel like God has commissioned us in his word when he said, Go ye unto all the world and preach the gospel. That you got we are to take it to the highways and the byways. And if we are not you unified if we are lacking unity in any area of our lives if we have all against our brother or we have all against our our sister we cannot adequately take this gospel to the whole world we can't tell others that you need to forgive and you need to forget if we can't forgive and we can't forget. We can't tell others that you need to you need to have a relationship with your brother and your sister when I can't stand to be around my brother or my sister for 10 minutes because they rake on my nerves. But there's something in us that has to arise in this last day. We have to put aside our selfish thoughts, our selfish desires, and say whatever it takes, whatever I have to do, If I have to fall on the sword, then I'm going to fall on the sword. But I have got to have a move of the Spirit of God in my life. I'm so hungry tonight. I'm so hungry for the supernatural. I'm so hungry. For a last day apostolic revival to sweep across our nation. Our nation needs a revival like they have never needed it before. We are backbiting each other. We are, we are talking about each other. We're telling, we're tearing each other down because we don't believe, they don't believe like I believe. So I'm going to go ahead and tear them down and talk about them. We, do, we can't afford to do that tonight. We can't afford to find alt with our brother and our sister, but we must link our faith together in unity and we will proudly and boldly stand together to see that the gospel is preached around the world. Acts 2, 2 and 4, 2 through 4, and suddenly, the second point that I want to make, I got ahead of myself there. The second point that I want to make tonight, the first century apostolic church was endued with power. And demonstration followed. Acts 2, 2 through 4, And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them clothing tongues like as a fire, and it set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Uh, new, uh, new news began to quickly spread among the land. Maybe it was by word of mouth. We talked about this today. Or maybe, I don't know, maybe they heard the great noise that came from the upper room. Maybe the people that lived next door heard the roar. They heard the sound of the wind. But they knew something was going on. Maybe the, the 120, uh, when the 
the Spirit began to be poured out, they couldn't contain it in that room. And maybe it spread to the streets. I kind of like to think that they took the gospel to the street. But news began to be broadcast. And people came from all around to see what the fuss was all about. They come to see what this Holy Ghost that had been poured out was all about. They came to see what this mighty sound of a rushing wind was all about. And soon... A great multitude gathered to see what was taking place. Listen, when the supernatural is in operation, people will come to see what all the noise is about. When miracles, signs, and wonders are in operation in our churches, you can't keep people out. You can't keep it a secret. It will spread like wildfire across the land. There is a great harvest coming, and no devil in hell is going to be able to stop it. Backsliders who you thought would never be saved. Your lost children who you thought would never. I'm speaking the prophetic tonight. Your lost children who you thought would never be serving God are about to come back. They're about to find an old-fashioned altar of repentance. God is about to do the miraculous in our midst. Come on, if you believe that, give God praise in the house. Come on, if you have unsafe family, I want you to give him praise in this house because God is about to unlock it in the spirit realm. God is about to send miracles, signs, and wonders. Listen, I'm not just talking about the cold and then the indifferent. And I think that God is going to move on their hearts. But I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about the lost cause. I'm talking about the one that is so buried in sin that they can't see the light of day. I'm talking about that one that you pass on the street and say, well, I'd like to invite them to church, but there is no way that they will ever darken a door of a church. And I speak under the unction of the Holy Ghost to say, those are the people that God's going to bring us. Those are the people that are going to be part of the last day revival that God is about to pour out. On this land. We preached it. We've heard it preached. We've heard it taught. But God's about to unlock it. I said God's about to unlock it in the spirit. God's about to step in on the scene. And bring us the greatest harvest that the church has ever seen. And certainly the greatest harvest that Christian Life Church has ever seen. Christian Life Church in Frankfurt and Christian Life Church in Lebanon. I believe that God is going to have a church. Doesn't matter what you and I are. I think it doesn't matter if, if we believe it or not. But God will have a church. Peter, standing among the multitude of believers and mockers, because everybody that gathered there that day didn't come to support what was going on. Those that showed up 
weren't the ones that were all the ones that said, I want to be a part of what's going on, but there were those that showed up to support, and then there were those that were that showed up to mock. There were those that showed up to say, Look at these drunk fools here acting like like acting like idiots, acting indignant. Don't they know it's it's the morning time? They sh- how in the world can they be drinking? There are those that showed up just to mock what was going on. And in this last day, hear me tonight, not everybody that comes to see what's going on is going to be a supporter. They're going to be mockers. They're going to be scoffers. But we have to stand up in that moment and in that day with Holy Ghost boldness and proclaim thus saith the word of the Lord God is going to pour out his spirit and you must be saved in order to make it to heaven talking about a first century apostolic demonstration of his power he stood and he began to preach he began to tell them these are not drunk as ye suppose But what you are witnessing, what has taken place, is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel when he said, In the last day, saith the Lord, I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Then Peter went on to say, I will show you wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth below. Peter stood with Holy Ghost boldness and authority, and he preached to the multitude. He wasn't concerned about what they thought. He didn't worry uh, that his words might offend someone. He didn't care about being politically correct. And we can't in this last day, the 21st century apostolic church cannot afford to allow fear in what someone might think of us to keep us from proclaiming, thus saith the word of the Lord. We have been commissioned to take this gospel to the entire world. The Bible tells us that when the multitude heard Peter's sermon, they were pricked in their hearts. They were convicted in their hearts. And they asked Peter and the others, men and brethren, what must we do? And in Acts 2, 38, one of the staples of our apostolic doctrine Peter stood and proclaimed and he said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all them that are far off even as many as the Lord our God shall call. You say, well, Pastor Danny, I don't know what to say. Well, if it worked for the first century episode church, it still works today. If this world was good enough for Peter, and it's good enough for me, if it was good enough to save a multitude back in the first century apostolic church, it's good enough for me. Oh. Come on, if you love this apostolic message, I want you to praise God right now. 
Praise God for the revelation of the oneness. Praise God for the revelation of baptism in Jesus' name and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Oh, Oh, that's it. Go ahead and give Him praise tonight. Come on, that's it. Go ahead and give Him praise tonight. And the Bible goes on to say that those who received His Word were baptized. And I like this, Pastor. And the same day, 3,000 souls were added to the apostolic church. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. And many signs and wonders were done by the apostles. They preached the apostolic message and God added to the church. They preached this apostolic message and miracles, signs and wonders took place. And I'm here to tell you tonight that if you want the miraculous, if you want the supernatural, and if you want miracles, signs and wonders, then declare His Word without fear or favor of men. Then you need to preach the Word of God and let God do the rest. If the 21st century apostolic church will just preach the Word of God, God will. God will pour out His Spirit and we will experience a first century apostolic demonstration of God's power. Acts chapter 3. Peter and John went to the temple at the hour of prayer. The Bible tells us that on their way they encountered a man lame from his birth who was carried daily, the Bible says, to the gate of the temple that was called beautiful. Because of his condition, because of his physical condition, he could not work, so he was relegated to begging for alms. He was like The person that you encounter at just about every intersection in Indianapolis that are holding their signs, that's exactly what this man was doing at the gate of the temple. When Peter and John passed by, just like everyone that passed before, this man asked alms of them. He asked them for a little something that was going, that was a flesh not knowing that he was about to receive something that was far more valuable than anything that could be purchased with money. Because Peter said unto him, Man, look at us. Look at me. I don't have anything in this world. I gave up everything. I sold everything to be a follower of Jesus. Sir, I don't have to give you. What do you want from us? And he said, but silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up 
and walk. And the Bible says that immediately. That man's feet and ankle bones were received strength where no strength had ever been before. And he went about. He was just hoping for a little change. He was hoping for a little money to purchase a drink or a sandwich. But, but he did not know that he would receive something that was far beyond human reasoning and comprehension. That man who started the day like all other days of his life, who just hours before had to be carried to the gate due to his condition. That man who relied on the kindness of others to take him to and from where he needed to go had an encounter with God that would forever change the course and alter the course of his life. That man who had been lame from his birth, he got up in that instant and he walked into the temple for the very first time in his life. He entered the temple leaping and praising God. And the Word of God says, and all the people saw and recognized him as the man that used to be lame, the man that used to lay by the gate, the man that used to not be able to walk. But now I see him leaping and praising God. Listen, once you have a first century apostolic encounter, you will never be the same. You will forever be changed. Your name will be changed. The way you look will be changed. You have to come. You, you may have come lame, but you can walk out of this place whole. You have may have come hopeless, but you're going to leave this place having received hope. It will forever change your life. You will walk different. You will talk different. And you will look different. Is anybody in the house tonight glad to know that you are not who you used to be? You used to be that lame man. You used to be relegated to a gate. You used to be relegated to a bed and having to rely on someone else to carry you to and fro. But how many are glad that you had an encounter with God and your life was forever changed? I think about Jacob. The Bible tells us he wrestled with the angel until daybreak. And he wrestled and he held on to that, that angel. And that angel said, Jacob, I got to go. It's morning time and I got to get out of here. But Jacob said, no, oh no, I'm not going to let go until you bless me. I'm not going to let go until you bless me. And that angel, uh, he, 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 not only, he not only blessed uh, Jacob, but he touched him. He touched his body. And from that moment on, from that day on, there was a noticeable difference about him. There was he didn't walk like he used to walk. He walked with a limp the rest of his life. But one thing about it, I believe that every time he walked somewhere, as he began to leap, he remembered somewhere in the back of his mind. He said, no, I'm not what I used to be because I had an encounter. I had an encounter one day and it forever changed my life. How many are glad to know that God changed your life? You are not the man that you used to be. You you are not the women that you used to be, but you have been changed by the power of the Holy Ghost. Oh. I'll tell you right now. 
There's nothing in this world that can affect your life like the power of God. There's nothing that can change your life like the power of the Holy Ghost. And I close with my third point tonight. My third point is that greater things than these shall you do. I said greater things than these shall you do. John 14 and 12. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go to my Father. The word greater here does not refer to the miracles themselves, because the works of the apostles in no way exceeded the power of Jesus. There is no greater demonstration of power than that of the the dead being raised. But I submit to you tonight that the works of the apostles, though they are not greater than those of Jesus, but they were met with a they were met with a further reaching result they were they were the means through which more sinners were converted and saved you see the works of Jesus were confined to Judah they were seen and witnessed by fewer in comparison to the apostles the works of the apostles were witnessed by many nations and the effects of their works and their preaching were were that literally thousands from among the Jews and Gentiles were converted and saved all under the ministry of the apostles. Listen, the Lord has placed the the apostolic church in this generation for such a time as this. Never has there been any other generation to have the opportunity that this generation has. Never has the harvest been more ripe and ready, ready to be gathered. We have a clear mandate from heaven to take this apostolic message to the four corners of the world. As the UPC says, the whole world, the whole world, whole gospel to the whole world by the whole church. I stand before you tonight To tell you that there is a harvest. I read into your account many examples of apostolic demonstration and power. God adding to the church. God healing the lame man. Bible says greater things than these shall you do. We sometimes get wrapped up in thinking, Pastor, that all that was for the first century apostolic church. Brother Gentry, we go on through our ministries and our lives never really experiencing a true demonstration of God's power because we think it's been reserved for somebody else. We say that's a good story, Pastor Danny. Those are good stories. 
But that was a different day. Things were different back then. Things were different then. Life was so much easier then. They didn't have all the things to worry about that we have to worry about today. And you may be right. In some ways, life, I would think, would have been harder. In a lot of ways, maybe it was easier. They didn't have all the distractions that we have today. They didn't have everything that we have today that is so cluttered our lives. They didn't have all the things, Pastor, that in this 21st century church or generation has crept into the church that has drawn a line of separation between us and God. They didn't have to worry about Brother Jerry being politically correct and facing government punishment for standing up and declaring. They received punishment, but it wasn't quite like what we face today. They didn't have all these distractions in in the world. They didn't have the jobs that keep us busy day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. They didn't have to worry about getting Johnny to soccer practice. They didn't have to worry about taking Susie to Girl Scouts. They didn't have all these things that cluttered their lives that gave them every excuse possible as to why they couldn't take the gospel to the whole world. Somewhere we have lost sight. mission in our calling. Somewhere our vision has become clouded. Our hearts become callous toward the things of God. We agree that the gospel needs to be preached. But I'm going to let somebody else do it. I'm going to let the church down the road. They seem to have some good things going on. I'll let them handle it. I'll let my brother, I'll let my sister do it. Because I'm just too busy. I've got too many things going on. You know, we're in the middle of a building project. we really got a lot of things going. I need to spend more time with my family. I need to work on me right now. I think I'll just let somebody else do it. Listen to me, apostolic church. God will compel us. God will convict us to a certain point. And when we refuse to move, And when we refuse to do what He's calling us to do, He will remove Himself 
and he'll go down the road. Well, you say, well, yeah, but they don't believe like we believe. Yo, you're right. They may not believe what we believe, but it may be that they're just more willing than we are. It may be that they're, that they're more in tune with what God wants to do in this last day than what we are. Wake up, church. Wake up, apostolic church. This is the last day. This is the last day revival that, this, that the Word of God preaches about when He said, I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. Wake up and realize that is today. When He said, there will be a great falling away just before I come, wake up and realize that is today. Never have I been more convicted in my spirit. Never have I desired anymore to have this first century apostolic outpouring of the Holy Ghost, an apostolic demonstration of power, and an apostolic demonstration of authority than I am hungry for right now. here tonight there has been somebody as I've been preaching God has convicted you God has drawn you God has spoken to you and he is saying would you please would you please wake up in this last day would you please wake up from your bed would you open your eyes and would you look across the field for they are white and they are ready to harvest you have been praying for a demonstration of the Holy Ghost you have been praying for a mighty outpouring of his spirit and you've been praying that God would use you in these last days to be a part of what he wants to do Would you make a move tonight? Would you go ahead and put your own desires to the side? Would you go ahead and, and let go of those feelings towards your brother or your sister that are keeping you from, in, in, from engaging in what God wants to do in this last day? Would you somehow... Do you want to be a part of what God wants to do? 
Do you want to be a part of that first century apostolic power and demonstration that God is about to bestow on Christian Life Church? I speak prophetically tonight that God is going to unlock power and he's going to unlock demonstration in our midst. about to unlock it in your life tonight. 